Happy Independence Day, America! It is the 4th of July. It is the time to celebrate being an American. Flag, hamburgers, cowboys, the colors red, white, and blue. Scaring dogs, birds, animals alike with fireworks. Oh, with the bombs bursting in air. The cookouts to be had, the drunkenness, the traffic, the parades. Oh, we revel in thine glory, America. And what better way to honor the 4th of July than with some games around the campfire? Yes, but... The Tuesday Night Podcast would like to remind you to be responsible this 4th of July. So please, drive safely. Party hard but smart. Be careful with those fireworks, Mr. Tom going to be thumbless. Take care of one another. This is America's day. We love you, America. Have a happy 4th of July, everyone. Be smart and enjoy this episode. The rest of the episode has nothing to do with the 4th of July, whatsoever. Welcome to the Tuesday Night Podcast. This is the podcast all about the stories we make while playing the games we love on, around, and even under the gaming table. And with me, I have the Dorothy to my rose, Sean McCoy. What, what is that Dorothy to my rose? Are you kidding me, sir? No. You don't know Dorothy? What if I said my Blanche to my rose? Is that Blanche Dubois? Is that, um... Blanche Devereaux, not Blanche Dubois. If I said Blanche or Sophia, Dorothy, no? Is this a Golden Girls thing? It is a Golden Girls reference. Thank you for Ah. being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. I've never seen an episode. What the? I am jealous, sir. Because that means you get to enjoy all of the Golden Girls for the first time. Was this an 80s thing? Was this like a big show in the 80s? Yes, but I would argue even bigger in the 2000s when people who grew up with the Golden Girls on in the background being annoyed by it because you couldn't understand the humor rediscovered it. Like, this is what was on the air? Oh. It's Golden Girl. All right, that was pretty lame. Sean, today on the podcast, what I'd like to do is see if we can knight someone. We do a little interaction satisfaction and answer some more emails. Because I'll be honest, Sean, with all the shows and mothershipping that we've been doing, I'm behind. I've got a stockpile of Nave to Knight submissions to get through and emails yet to be answered. And I apologize for all those Knaves, Knights, and listeners alike that are sending in your valuable questions. We'll get to you when we can. We're getting too popular for our own good, Sean. Middle school, this is not. <laughs> let's, uh, who, who's this knave that we're possibly knighting? We've never not knighted somebody, but, you know, let's keep the suspense high. The knave is Mark McDonough, and he gives us a very special knave tonight's mission on this 138th episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Mark McDonough, 
and I'm here to tell you about how board games saved my life. Nothing too crazy. Uh, I didn't have a copy of Welcome to the Dungeon in my breast pocket that blocked a bullet. Uh, what I did have, well, what I did have was a drinking problem. I got a second DUI. Getting behind the wheel was an incredibly stupid decision. Getting behind the wheel years later was still an incredibly stupid decision. That, that was my life when I was drinking. It was one incredibly stupid decision after another. Heck, the night after my first DUI, I went to the bar and got a drink. That was me. That was just drinking. I went on a road trip about two weeks into the trip, driving through Texas. I got a call from a fella, and I didn't know who it was. I thought, I know a Joe, but who's Joey? It was my bartender, curious where I was. He hadn't seen me for a while and was worried. That's how much I drank. That's what kind of a problem I had. Of course, I took that as a badge of honor at the time. I thought, yeah, I'm a real regular. Bartender calls me when I don't show up. <laughs> that, was, that was a cool thing for me. Because I was an idiot who drank a lot and made constantly stupid decisions. So, DUI number two happens and... My life is falling apart. Uh, I, I, I just can't believe that that's happened. I don't know how I'm going to tell my family. I just don't know what to do with myself. My girlfriend at the time moves out, rightfully so. Just everything seems to be going wrong. And, God, I want to drink. I want to drink so badly. Um, but I know I can't. I can't do that anymore. It's just... Such a stupid thing to do. I mean, I didn't drink all the time because I loved booze, which which I did. I didn't drink all the time because I loved getting drunk, which I did. I drank all the time because I needed a way to socialize because I loved people. That was how I learned how to interact with people. I mean, I'm a relatively talkative, personable guy when I'm sober, but I'm just... I don't really interact. I never got real. When drinking, you, you can let those barriers down. You, you can be a social butterfly. You can go out and, and make new friends and, and you know be vulnerable and, and talk and make connections. That's, that's what I did. That's, booze were always there when I needed that. I needed that to stop. I, I needed something else because I couldn't drink. If I kept drinking, I, I would inevitably get somebody else killed or get myself killed. Just ruin my life in, in one way or another because that's what happens when you are drinking and getting blitzed every night. It's just bad decision after bad decision. I needed that to change. So to stay sober, to scratch that social itch that I had, I played board games. 
I had a new way to get people to come over. It didn't have to be for booze. There is a game out there for everybody. I mean, I knew board games a little bit when I was drinking. I'd, I'd played Settlers, but I, I didn't delve deep into the hobby. I didn't know there were games for anybody until I really found games and, and had so much fun and needed a way to meet and hang out with people that wasn't booze. Because of that, I, I have stayed sober. It's been over five years now. I, I feel great. My life is, is wonderful. I've got a new wonderful woman in my life. I, I've got a nice place to live and I've got a good job. Just life is going well. I've gone to board game conventions. I went to Gen Con. I went to PAX Unplugged. I participated in an L5R tournament and I have met amazing people through gaming, not just my current friend group, but got to meet uh, the illustrious Alan Girding at Gen Con and playtest uh, his fairy tale game and just all sorts of wonderful experiences like that that I wouldn't have otherwise had. My life is wonderful. Board games are wonderful. I'm so glad that I decided to just go full nerd. Board games are literally, for me, a lifesaver. That's a great story. I mean, it's not a great story, but it's a great... You insensitive son of a bitch. Yeah, I don't know if I would have ever called myself an alcoholic or not, but I had to quit drinking several years ago for all the reasons people normally quit drinking, which is that they don't like the way they are when they drink. They don't like the way it feels the next morning, the money, the calories, all those sorts of reasons. So I can totally understand. I think board gaming is one of those amazing communities to be a part of because all of a sudden, like you're sober at parties and you need things to do (laughs) and playing games is one of those things. But playing games knowing you're like not going to be an asshole, or like you're not going to have to think the next day about what you said the last night. Those things are now all on the table for you, which I think is great. Do you remember when you last got drunk and decided, you know what, that needs to stop. I need to stop drinking. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So you had a changing point as well. Yeah, it's such a cultural norm to drink. I very rarely miss drinking. I don't miss it hardly at all. But occasionally I'll be around somebody who I have nothing but good memories of drinking with them, where it was always like safe. I never like went too far. It was always a way to to further increase a bond rather than like as an alienation numbness sort of thing. Um, And when I'm around them, I'm like, oh man, I really wish, I really wish this was something I felt like I could do, but I don't feel like I can. Yeah, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. For me, it's sometimes a sensitive issue from the other end because I've never been a drinker. I've never been drunk. Nothing more than sips of something as a kid. And I remember last summer I took my wife to Napa Valley wine country. So, of course, I tried some wine there, but literally it was sipping and... Never really had much. But getting back to what you're saying, yeah, from the other end, I know that I've missed out on a lot of bonding, definitely through grade school, high school, 
even college because I didn't drink. And it's one of those weird cultural isms where if you do not drink, it makes other people feel uncomfortable around you. So a lot of the social work that I've done is trying to make people feel as comfortable as possible with their drinking, even though I'm not. I mean, I have to, right? It's, that's the world in which we live. It's also one of those weird things that when you don't drink, people may not understand why. Like, oh, do you have a bad history with drinking? Is it okay if I drink? Why don't you drink? Never? Never been drunk? How have you never been drunk? You don't even know what you're missing. It's weird how that works. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course it makes sense. Yeah. So let's go ahead and knight this guy. <laughs> I agree. We should totally knight Mark McDonough. But he, in our email correspondence back and forth, has said that he was looking forward to being knighted either Sir Boozby Gone or Sir Drank a Lot. Drank a Lot, 100%. Drank a Lot? I like it because it's in the past tense. I almost wanted to say Sir Sobriety, but then there's pressure on it because we know from drug rehabilitation that relapse is part of recovery recovery absolutely all right approach we nobles and kneel to allow us to honor thee we on behalf of all knaves knights and nobles alike applaud thine heroic and knightly contribution to this the tuesday night podcastle allow us to dub thee sir drink a lot of the tuesday night podcast now rise, rise, Sir Drankalot, as the newest knight of the Tuesday Night Gaming Table. Yay! I love the vulnerability. I love the sincerity. I think it adds a lot of pressure on people to write in, but don't. They don't all have to be emotional, touching stories of how board games saved your life or how board games created your marriage or how board games ended your marriage. Take that back. I want to hear that. I want to hear how board games ended someone's marriage. I want to know that. That's a good story. <laughs> All right, Sean, you have any other comments or should we move on? No, let's move on. Let's do some interaction satisfaction. Howdy. It's time for interaction satisfaction. Shoot us your emails, your comments, or your questions. We'll do our best to answer them. This one comes from Twitter, Sean, and our friend Jennifer... You know, I've never asked how to pronounce her last name. I think it's Abel. Maybe I shouldn't even say her last name. Our friend Jennifer tweets... Oh my goodness, I just accidentally tweeted. I thought I was doing it into the search engine, and I just tweeted it instead. <laughs> Idiot. That's an old person thing. I don't... Why? This Google's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. Referring to the Rhino Hero Super Battle episode, last episode, episode 137, Sean, where we talked about Larry Correa and Anita Sarkeesian once more, Jennifer Abel wrote in and said, I love this episode. It may be because I'm literally having these discussions in my workplace right now as a new leader. But the fact that you both acknowledge that gaming can feel exclusive was excellent. This was a fantastic conversation. I hope it helps enlighten people to the reasons why Sarkeesian and Gen Con is a good thing, even if they're not, quote, fans of controversy, end quote. I agree. We're great. Next email. Doug Swantek writes in, 
A friend of mine has a spouse that was recently admitted to a mental health hospital as an inpatient with the specific diagnosis of schizophrenia. Sean, I'm not sure if you know the difference between an inpatient and an outpatient, but let's just pretend I don't know. Could you help me out? Yeah. Inpatient means you stay overnight. Outpatient means you get to leave at the end of your session, I'm assuming. I, I knew that, Sean. Thank you. But I, I just wasn't sure if you or the listeners knew. So anyway, my friend's partner wants to play games, especially Secret Hitler. However, my friend doesn't feel comfortable encouraging games with hidden roles due to his spouse's extreme level of paranoia and suspicion of others. What games would you recommend, Tuesday Night Games? Thanks for all your help, Doug Swantick. Sean, we previously talked about what games would be good in a rehab clinic for drug rehab. Do you remember that episode? Do you remember that conversation? I do. It was episode... I, I left a blank there for you to fill in what number. <laughs> oh, it was episode no idea. I do remember doing that, though. But this is a different question. They're very similar because you want to come up with some type of games that you can easily play in rehab. But this is very specific to issues of paranoia. So therefore, right off the bat, any social deduction is probably off the table, including two rooms and a boom. Sean? Yeah. What do you think? Uh, you're really the expert here. For me, uh, you know, I've talked a lot about how I'm a big believer in the healing ability of role-playing games. But for me, it's like stuff that's going to be low stress, easy to learn, high on fun. That's not going to be like too dark. This is actually an area where I think the light Euro games really shine because you can just kind of drift into it. You can hang out. You could not hang out. You have something to focus on that's not like... Of course, the hidden role games and games like Deception, Murder in Hong Kong, all this like lying, trust breaking stuff. I just don't think is great for that environment. Take that games. Especially if you're schizophrenic and you already believe that some people may be out to get you. Right. What about you? Well, thank you for asking, Sean and Doug. Most of my clinical experience is actually with schizophrenics. When I went to the prison as a psychological intern for my clinical psychology program, I didn't realize that I was kind of grandfathered into an actual therapist position because they were understaffed. And literally day one, I had a whole roster of clients, which actually was pretty cool because by the end of my internship, I had a job at the prison already without having to get licensed. I, this is crazy. Maybe I shouldn't even be saying this. But the thing is, all my other classmates went to private practices and mental health hospitals and they were having a conversation. I don't feel prepared. I'm not sure if I learned enough during my internship that I could open up my own practice or keep on going on my own without an education further than what I have. And my response was, as humble brag as this is, what are you, crazy? I, I was doing it. I, I feel there was no real handholding. But let me tell you about my favorite client, Roger. My first day, a whole bunch of things happened at the prison. One of those was my supervisor pulled me aside and said, do you play chess? And I told him, I'll play any damn game, but yeah, I play chess. And he says, good. None of us other psychologists play chess. You're going to be Roger's new chess partner every Wednesday. 
So on Wednesday, he brings in someone that I can only describe as old man time. Think of really pale white guy with long grizzled beard, very spindly thin. He reeked of cigarettes. No exaggeration, I was a good 20 yards away from him and I smelled him as soon as he walked into that room. I was introduced to him. Hey, this is Mr. Girding. Mr. Girding, this is Roger. You two will now be chess partners. I said, it's nice to meet you, Roger. And Roger said to me, so schizophrenic, he could not even talk. Chess was the only thing that Roger could really do consistently and communicate through. All this just to say, I have a whole bunch of amazing Roger stories. Brilliant. But games were the way that I could connect through Roger. So I think the big thing when it comes to schizophrenia, and I'm sure someone isn't as schizophrenic as Roger was, is making sure that there's a perhaps a firm grasp on reality. And it's more about the social connection and the focus to reduce anxiety. Also, as a side note, what's more common than schizophrenia in the prison system, and I hear across the board, is something known as schizoaffective disorder. And schizoaffective disorder is if you have schizophrenia and bipolar disorder at the same time. You know what bipolar used to be called, Sean? Manic depressive? Yes, absolutely. Bipolar disorder and schizophrenia, instead of having two different diagnoses, they're so comorbid that they have their own diagnosis, and that is schizoaffective disorder. Again, the big thing about schizoaffective disorder is making a personal connection while reducing anxiety and paranoia. I think role-playing games, great suggestion because it's very immersive. You have to be careful, though, because there can be that paranoia suspicion in role-playing games. In fact, one of the prisoners, no exaggeration, was there because he decapitated his grandparents with a katana so he could absorb their experience points to level up. He was obsessed with Dungeons and Dragons, and he was never allowed to read anything that was in the fantasy or sci-fi world. And I remember very specifically him having to go into isolation for a week because they caught him with a Dragonlance novel. And that's when I learned about that story. I asked another colleague, why the hell is he going to isolation for a Dragonlance novel? I'm like, Oh, because he decapitated his grandparents with whom he lived for their experience points. So, number one, I would say role-playing games, uh, but you have to be careful. I would make it more of a modern setting. This is very specific. Number two, co-op games. This is for, again, the personal connection and boosting of esteem. What kind of co-op games can you think of? Co-op games, Forbidden Island. It's a good one. I like it. That's a good gateway game, too, which I have on my list later on. I would actually say Monikers as well, because that's cooperative if you do the cooperative version. So, cooperative games, number two. Number three, anything gateway game, just for anxiety reduction. Because again, when you put a game in front of someone, you said Euro, I totally agree, unless they have any apprehension about playing games to begin with. Because again, the average person, when you throw down a game in front of them, they think it's a, hey, let's find out who's smarter. They think it's nothing more than an intelligence test. And it's annoying to a lot of people. There's a lot of resistance against board games. So a gateway game reduces that competitiveness and make it nice and simple and light. Uh, what kind of gateway games can you think of? Sushi Go. Sushi Go is a good one. What about King Domino? You think that's a good gateway I game? I love King Domino. I mean, me and my mom play it. I talk about it all the time. For sure, King Domino. 
Yeah, King Domino, I think, is one of the newer and greatest gateway games. And I think we're going to be hearing more and more about King Domino in the future. Ticket to Ride's a classic one. A lot of people say Carcassonne. I actually will say Capture, and that's a pretty unheard of one. But I love Capture. It's so beautiful, and it's really a throwback game. Do you you remember Capture? Do you remember seeing Capture in my basement of games? Oh, yeah, it looks gorgeous. It is a gorgeous game, sir. Yes, indeed. So the gorgeous game, Capture. I'm not going to give you an elevator pitch because I'm already taking too much time. Agreed. Number f- Yes. <laughs> Number four, Smut Adult Games. I think this really helps with the bonding, almost like drinking we talked about before. You're in on the dirty secret. Cards Against Humanity. People feel like they're on the inside of a dirty joke. Lewd and Obscene, I've talked about. Do you remember Lewd and Obscene? Oh, yeah. It's Balderdash with Dirty Words. And maybe even never have I ever, but instead of alcohol, you can just answer the damn questions. It doesn't have to be alcohol induced. Number five, I'm going to go with word games. This is for esteem building and also, again, good distraction. So word games tend to make people feel smart, even if you're not. Like, I'm really good at Scrabble, so I'm a genius. Well, no, you're good at Scrabble. It doesn't mean you're a genius, but I won't tell you that. You have any other good word games? I just like Scrabble. Quiddler. I really like Quiddler. Have you played Quiddler, Sean? I don't think so, no. Quiddler, you basically get a hand of letters and you try to go out like in gin once you can make a word with the letters you have in your hand. So think of Plato 3000 or Gin Rummy where you put a card down and on your turn you either draw a card from the discard pile or you draw the top of the draw pile and you just keep on going back and forth until you have your entire hand you can use and it spells a word. And every time you finish a round, you get points for every letter you used in your word or words and you lose points for the cards that you still have in your hand at the end of the round. It's that simple. It's gin rummy with letters. It's great. I'd also say hardback which is kind of the sequel to paperback. Hardback is the deck building game where you build words. And there's also Wordsy, which is a good one too. But that's basically my recommendation, Sean. So that was a shit ton of games. I didn't just give single games. I gave categories. So role-playing games, co-op games, gateway games, smut adult games, and word games for the schizophrenics out there. Again, I would really emphasize the word games because it really helps base someone in reality. Was that was that helpful? Was that pointless? Did I ramble on too long? Super helpful. Oh, okay. Cool. Doug, we really appreciate it. And hopefully you feel rewarded for writing in. Speaking of which, if people want to write in, how did they do so, Sean? You can email us at podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. Or just uh, hit us up on Twitter at, at PlayTKG. Yeah! We have a Kickstarter live right now. That's not Lemonade uh, that you should check out if you haven't. It's only been a couple weeks now, but we're doing good. We've funded already, and now uh, we got some new pledge levels up there if you're one of our international backers. Oh, yeah. We got that pledge level where you can get one of all of our games, game one, two, and three. Pretty sweet stuff. Any other business for the good of the order, or should we end this, bitch? Let's end it. I think with that being said, this episode is... Finish.
Make sure you come to this year's Gen Con live show. 2018, baby. 10 o'clock, Saturday night. We still have some tickets left. We're going to lavish you with free games, so why not come in?